American dream is not dead. Listen to Neil and Jeff share their leadership experiences through a new kind of leadership podcast. This is The American Hustle. I'm leveled up. And this is my world Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever, however you are listening to us. This is the American Hustle, where we believe the American dream is not dead. That means you have the mobility and ability to achieve all of your wildest dreams if you're just ready to put in the effort and their energy and a little bit of sacrifice to get there. My name is Neil with SFJ4x4.com and joined in the SFJ4x4 studios. Uh, Jeff Shermani. You weren't ready. Well, I wasn't sure. You said joined in and then you just stopped. Uh, Usually was, say the, the our producer or this. He or, is the producer. Yeah. You're right. You're you just, right. You just I, you le- know what it was. It you know what I feel like I I ooped you the ball, and uh, and it was like a little short. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It was a little short. But see what you did was you grabbed it from behind you, <laughs> and you came you windmilled it right. So I I did a short oop, and you grabbed it and you called me out on it. But you you windmilled it. <laughs> the Italian stallion. All right. So, in did you even introduce yourself? Did you say your name? I did. No, you didn't. I did. Uh, time will so tell. So, anyways, time will tell. Uh, wow. <laughs> I totally did. I don't know where you're at today. Did, oh, goodness, <laughs> man. I, apparently, apparently, I need uh, some more coffee. We're gonna go more. back and listen to the edit. Yeah, right. The edit. All. <laughs> <laughs> you will not have introduced yourself. Right now, I'm you're gonna, riding on I'm, principle. I'm gonna edit it in so that everyone's listening. <laughs> like, no, he said it. I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Make it real awkward. <laughs> uh, so for this episode, uh, we're going to talk about the code, and uh, we'll we'll tell you what the code is in a minute. Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, you know, if you ha- haven't listened before, what we do is we talk about a uh, main topic, break it down a little bit for you. And then we go into a quote of the week before the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. And make sure you like, subscribe, give us that five-star review. Yeah, and when you're, you're mentioning we talk about the topic, that, for our folks listening, and first of all, we thank you so much for joining us. Secondly, we, myself and Jeffrey, are combining our 40 years of failing forward to bring to you, uh, you know, some ups and downs, a perspective um, on the leadership, personal development, entrepreneurship communities. And uh, the goal is to have some organic conversations uh, in a way that is both you know fun, uh, but also enlightening and a little less of the pitchy, um, you know, kind of the talking head mantra that you often hear regularly. So well, and I think it's important to note that our topics are literally just that. We have we have our, our show notes, but it's just a topic. Right. Uh, we're not preparing a script or preparing a speech on it. It is an organic conversation that is happening between us based on a topic that we start on. Sure. Sometimes it wildly changes direction on us. Yeah, uh, but- and we add things and whatnot. Yeah, and I was exposed over the weekend. I was... Um, you know, we've talked a lot internally. Before we get to our topic of, of the code, we've, we've talked internally uh, dis... <laughs> It, despite our successes, um, I am really interested in scaling further. And it's a term that I'm using more and more in the last, you know, four to six weeks in this conversation of scaling, right? And I, I appreciate where we've come from and where we're going, but I really want more of those uh, those big 
gains versus the incrementals. Um, and so how do we go about doing that is yeah. a lot of stuff that I'm working on in my personal life as, as I kind of work through stuff. So I was exposed to recently, um, uh, you know, one of those fantastic internet, you know, marketed, shove it down my throat ads. And it was classically, you know, uh, it was like six thirteen in the morning. Uh, and it was like starting in 20 minutes, this works free workshop from big name talking head on how you should grow your business, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna give you my email address, you know? And, um, and I went ahead and I, I threw my email address in and <clears throat> then it, you know, of course they, they now have my contact information. Not that those, or, or not that these organizations don't have it already. Right. 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 But, you know, they throw my contact information in and it kind of populates. Uh, it says, hey, here's my free workbook on, you know, mapping your your success future. And I was like, all right, cool. I see you. I, I like resources. Right. We talk about tools in yeah. this podcast and I'm here for I'm here for tools. And, and if it's a good, comprehensive uh, plan or uh, guide to help me understand uh, maybe this workshop a little better. Um, you know, and at the be, same time, be, I'm thinking... Before you even get to what this workshop was, I just want to take a guess at the basics of what happened in the workshop because I've done a lot of these workshops and, and you said the word free. Yeah. I can... Based on everyone that I've ever done, I can tell you that they're not really free. Yeah. You're getting... They're not free. You're getting a half hour to an hour seminar workshop where they tell you topics or talking points yep and they give you just enough to want you to to hook yep. in yep and then here's the pitch buy our system buy our system I buy our book attend. i didn't attend i didn't attend i used that word even loosely yeah right because here's the it's thing a virtual recording because it's a virtual recording yep i was like i thought that so and, and again this is me maybe my naiveness in this moment my looking Wanting to find what I was looking for, right? Yep. Not actually what it was, but I was looking for it to be something else. Yep. And so, therefore, I put my spin on it, my perspective on it, right? And I thought that Grant Cardone was going to have some type of uh, workshop, maybe Tuesday at 7 o'clock, where, you know, maybe one of his second in commands or third in command, somebody who's been with him for five, 10, 15 years is going to get on. And, you know, you're going to get a little 45 second recording by, you know, Grant himself. And then, you know, one of his people is going to get on and, and interact with a group of, of 10 to 15 people and then hit you with a hard sales pitch at the end. I'm prepared for that. Yeah. Right. And I've actually used some of Cardone's uh, tools that he has offered before. Uh, I've watched some of the videos. Uh, some of the stuff has been very beneficial to me. Absolutely. Uh, so I, uh, I, I was like, okay, cool. This is what I'm looking for. I'm thinking, hey, it's going to be this 10 to 15, you know, virtual Zoom type meeting. You know, half an hour. Hit me with a sales pitch at the end. Blah blah blah. Right? Nope. It is literally starts in 17 minutes. You know, after I check my download and all that kind of stuff. And I was like. So you basically you're just letting me log into a pre-recording. Yeah. You know, it's not a workshop at that point. It's just another canned 
pre-recorded situation, which has no applicability to my exact business model that I want to address. Right. Right. This is what I think I'm getting, a consultation, and then hit me for some type of repetitive service of, you know, for a low 40 bucks a month for the next year and a contract, you know, we're going to be your life coach. Whatever. Yep. Right. No, yep. it's a pre-recorded, you know, and I was like, that's garbage. I, I, and I think my favorite message that they do is if you can't afford this and are you really wanting to improve your life? What? Right. <laughs> what? Right. That's always the message on those. No. Yeah. And, and so the workbook itself, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I, I've read some small 15 minute reads, you know, you know, they're, they're 70 pages, uh, and they have some quips, uh, and then, you know, a little work page. And then you read a passage of three to five pages in a, in a work page and you have a planner and all that. This was six pages of like my 10 year old could have produced the same kind of quality of material. I just thought this is the whole con. This is the, the underpinning of American hustle. I recognize that, what we're doing here is not exactly revolutionary right. in these conversations, but the regurgitated sales model of entrepreneurship and, and self-improvement is so frustrating Yeah, because here in this moment, again, looking for something that would be beneficial to my vision, I'm once again, I find myself pinned into a corner of you know, internet sales funnels. And I'm just like, that's garbage. That's yeah. just a hot pile of garbage. And now I am absolutely exposed to all the Grant Cardone. I'm sitting in a private jet. You too can make 5.5 million, you know? And I'm thinking, it's just not real, right? right. It's not real. It's fluffed up. Yes, can people be successful? Absolutely. But you're not going to be successful without you know, uh, putting some skin in the game without some s severe tenacity and grit. It's it's going back to the people that made a million dollars selling a book on how to make a million dollars. Yes. They they didn't know how to do it, so they wrote a book on telling you how to do it, mm -hmm. how they think it should be done, not how it actually works. And and, and then they sell sell it and make all their money. Well, and 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 this this idea that uh, I I love rags for riches. That is the American dream. And do I believe that these individuals absolutely did it? I found myself really engaged in unpacking Walt Disney's life oh, over yeah. the weekend um, because of of some of the things that he was exposed to and done. I, I obviously I looked into Grant Cardone's background, so I'm just kind of processing through these individuals. I absolutely believe that it can be done. Can it be done by buying one of you know, one of their systems. I don't, I don't think so. Right. That the idea is that these systems, these sales funnels, these, whatever are just the diet pill fad of the nineties and two thousands. Yeah. It's the, it's, it's not even the get rich quick schemes that we used to be subjected to. It is, uh, it is this self-fulfilling prophecy to go, Oh, if I just buy this system, I'm, I'm going to be successful. No, that doesn't make you successful, you right. know? So, anywho, that's a little update on what I was into this weekend. Like I said, I was pretty uh, um, pretty disappointed 
And, and of course, you know, maybe we'll get there one day that we can be bestowing yet more resource and, and opportunity to our listeners, to our followers on social media and whatnot. But actually provide that content rather than tease that content. Yeah. 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 And, I, and, and ultimately, you know, there's a, a handful of big talking heads that have great podcasts, who have great material out there. And, and they also have sales systems as well. Correct. I get it. Um, but I'm not the, saying that the sales system is wrong. It should should be there. That's going to help keep them the ability to provide that information and provide that skill set. But if you've got an, a large enough network of skills to provide, you should be able to actually offer a little bit of, of free workshops to your consumer. Well, and, and I get the free workshop, but for some reason, I mean, when it comes down to it, like when you look at like Dave Ramsey's model, yeah, I just feel like there's more meat and potatoes when it comes to Dave Ramsey's uh yeah. processes that he has available to his to his listeners yeah dave ramsey has more substance yeah and there's just a, a just a lack of the bs it's it's like hey you're gonna it's gonna suck but when it gets you know when you get through it then it's gonna be awesome Yep. Right. At that reality situation versus, hey, look at me on my private jet and you want to make five point five million as well. And he, I mean, these talking heads, they do talk about that. You're going to have to endure some stuff like but that almost becomes superficial in conversation. Yeah. You know, so anywho, we should talk about the code and we'll unpack my disdain for sales funnels at a later date, I suppose. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think we've. Got a whole other episode to talk about there. So Totes. as far as the code, uh, the code is specifically referring to dress code. Yes. Proper expectations of dress code. Well, and I, I actually thought it was a, a fair segue or correlation because I feel like um, these sales funnels, these marketed self-improvement, you know, entre leadership, entrepreneurship will represent themselves in such a way. And we'll get into talking about that here in a second. So as you had mentioned, the code is the, the unwritten rules and written rules of, uh, you know, impressing others with your outward appearance, the dress to impress, um, the, the old age old mantra at that point. And I, I wanted to talk about specifically, you know, when is it important? When is it a negative? You know, where, where does it matter basically? But additionally, culturally, how we've changed. Mm -hmm. It used to be every everything that was considered a professional job was shirt and tie. Yes. You always had the some somewhere full suit. Uh, sure. Tuxedos, whatever. But now you often find a polo is considered a professional look. Yes. Um, so there's, there's been a, a cultural shift, cultural change as you will. Yes. Um, and I, I wanted to break that down and, and discuss that with you. Yeah. So I think that just to, to lay it clearly out on the table, the idea that we're going to glaze over the dress to impress statement, we're going to, we're going to glaze over the, yeah. the idea. And I think when you, you presented the topic to me, we're, we're going in under the assumption we all have been reared up. We've all been presented with, uh, you only have uh, one time to make a first impression. You've, you've, you know, dressed to impress all those mantras. Right. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're all going into this with the assumption that we believe that to be true. And yet we've seen a 
cultural shift. Yeah. And that is what I believe you want to talk to uh, talk about. Is exactly. that correct? Yeah. Yep. And I want for our listeners to understand, you have to make this jump to conclusions with us, right? This leap of assumption to say, we know that that is our belief. Uh, we know that in an interview, if you have somebody who comes in in, you know, ratty jeans and, uh, you know, something, something all torn up, we're going to cast a level of judgment and you know we're humans yeah in the interview process um from the person who comes in you know clean you know clean and presentable they look like they put some preparation in yeah yeah and i think there's an interesting uh, this is a, a great topic to unpack um because the code is both the unwritten rule of that judgment that mm -hmm. we're talking about but also how that's shifting over the weekend i was exposed to a fun meme where uh and i'm a person i love i love actually uh to go out to clubs and and nightlife despite the fact that i'm from the country and uh you know rural america I, I love to in, indulge or engage in kind of that, that nightlife for a moment and then step back, yeah. right? <clears throat> now, my wife and I used to go out with enough regularity before we had kids, before we had, you know, all the responsibilities that we currently do, and we still find an opportunity to go out once in a while. Right, and, and I think that's pretty pretty accurate of most adults that have children at this point. Probably, right? And... uh so this is why the meme, or, or it was actually a reel or something, and it was talking about uh, generationally how when we went out to a appropriate club that you were dressed nice, uh, yeah. you know, that, that oftentimes... Uh, you know, men were in a, a nice looking pant and a, and a shoe that was, you know, more of a boot or a dress shoe type of look. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, women were, you know, traditionally in a, a skirt and maybe heels, uh, yep. something uh, accessory wise. Hair was similar. done, makeup was yeah. on. And uh, it was a person and, you know, the, it was from a, a female's perspective. That um, you know, she was talking about been 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 a decade or fifteen years since I was in the club last, and she kind of scans her outfit, and then she scans like the people that are around her, and they're literally in jeans, torn jeans, and tennis shoes, and like baggy sweatshirt or baggy you know yeah. sweaters, yeah, and this this like. How to tell like you were from a different era, you yeah. Know? And and we're talking about really just like a ten to fifteen year transition, Isn't which that is crazy. Which is what you're talking about, yeah. right? And I literally had this conversation with uh, a friend of mine that uh, that I was talking about the kind of this code because it works in both ways because the 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 Air Force ones. Right, so the white uh, Nike shoe yeah. that is what I would call uh, driving force of fashion has then affected the whole the whole broad spectrum of society. And what an interesting thing we could actually get into and unpack that itself, right? Oh yeah, but the I mean, because that's ultimately, in my opinion, part of what led to sneakers and suits. 100%. And now, uh, societally, a white tennis shoe, and not like a white New Balance, like a stereotypical suburban dad, right? Yeah. But a particular white tennis shoe is a look out of the box. 
Yeah. And it doesn't even need to be a Nike, right? Because quite frankly, that becomes the that becomes the formal wear, right? Yep. The Nike is the formal wear. And now there's a whole slew Talk of- Talk about a great marketing team to be able to pull that off. 100%. Spectacular. Off topic. Which obviously there's a movie about even as how yeah. the Air Force Ones came about and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, well, the Air Jordans came about and that's that was that's the whole what led marketing to it, scheme. Yeah. yeah. So- that that Nike white shoe is the 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 pinnacle. It's the driving force. And now there's a whole bunch of just other manufacturers offering this kind of white stylistic tennis shoe. And that immediately indicates uh, two individuals uh, looking around at the at society. It immediately goes, "Hey, you're either into the f- current fashion trends or not, right?" Um, because there is a whole population of people uh, under. F- specifically under 50 who are who are wearing this shoe and we as a society uh immediately see them in a particular light and yeah. i don't it doesn't need it's necessarily a good light a bad light i, I haven't quite figured that out yet but they're but wearing it and they're in the, the they're th- in that category of fashion they're in that category of fashion and currently that fashion is a uh a, a you know a jean or a, a a pair of pants that uh, may or may not be torn, and then that oversized hoodie. You know, we there's a tapered cut to the leg, whole bunch of things, right? Mm-hmm. That right now, socially, is the acceptable fashion for a large swath of the American workforce. Yeah, and an interest that is an interesting transition, and um, it is it is absolutely for me a similar. Uh, juxtaposition against the social norms of formal wear as the grunge push in the early 90s. Yes. Okay. So in my own mind, I don't know that I can quite uh, say that we've had a similar um, kind of appeal to, or, or maybe not appeal, but opposition to formal wear as the the grunge push in the early 90s where now all of a sudden it was cool to be grungy. Yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, folks, and you're listening in, you're just going to have to to Google this one and, and kind of understand where that comes from. The current pushback on formal wear, again, uh, is this this other trending fashion look. Yeah. And the, the challenge is um, I find myself caught between two worlds. Because I was raised in a household where I watched my father, uh, who was a, a teacher, he was an educator for 35 years, every single day wore a shirt and tie, dress slacks, had a very formal um, approach. Yeah. He oftentimes wore a sport coat. It wasn't a suit. Right, but, but the, the, the look's still there. It was still the look. It was yeah. the, the sport coat, the shirt, the tie, the the formal pants. Um, and, and now... Uh, teachers, gosh, for a male teacher to be in a polo is about as you know dressy as they're gonna be. Um, yeah, and, that's their formal dress for if they have an event at the school. Yeah, yeah. And my wife, starting as a as a teacher, you know, 15 years ago, she was absolutely heels, dress, um, you know, hair fully done, accessorized, bows, pins, you know, whatever, um, and. She started, uh, employed at a, a new school district about two years ago, and she walked in in a similar, she still dresses that way often. She walked in, and, and all the teachers around her were like in jeans, a 
barely a formal pant, if you will, and like like a just a clean looking shirt. Yeah, and she's like, you know, they were like, what What is your deal? You know, they thought she was weird. You right, know? right. She's um, the abnormal out, outside of the box one now. Right, right. You know, so I've I I love the the concept, and so the question is, how did we get to where we're at? Right. So, and a part of it, I think, honestly, goes back to to sales. And okay. I, I really believe that sales helped this transition. And I'm I'm gonna use my experience with that. When I started in sales, it was shirt and tie, sport coat, mm-hmm. full suit, whatever. You you had that look, that very professional, clean cut look. Um in a lot of places, that was a uniform look. You had a certain shirt color that you had to wear. Tie could vary as long as it matched you know accordingly but you had a a shirt color a suit color whatever um and it helped customers know that hey this guy's a professional he knows what he's talking about yes but as as culture started to shift that sales approach customers started to be off put by a salesman coming up to them in a suit Mm, because okay. now because now they're going oh he's here to sell me something he's here to hard sell me i i don't want this hard sell. i just want to look around sure so then you start getting into the hey let's get a, a more relaxed professional approach so a semi semi casual and that's where your polo and dress slacks came out right so now you're in polo dress pants um still looking nice still looking respectful uh and again a lot of times companies would uniform those colors look at target uh easiest one to po- point out all the employees are wearing red shirt, tan khakis. Yep. You just know they're an employee tar- uh, uh, employee of Target at that point. Yes. So you've got that uniform look. Everyone's in a polo, similar colors, makes it identifiable so the customer can find help but doesn't feel like they're being threatened by that help. Right. As that transitions more, it starts to, to correspond more with the type of of clientele that you have and a perfect example is here at sfj 4x4 we can sell to our customers in a hoodie and a pair of ripped up jeans yes and we sell thousands of dollars yes at a time yeah. with a customer yeah absolutely but it's because of the fact at that point that customer is more comfortable around someone like that type of dress rather than if they walked into our showroom and we're standing there in a suit Sure. They're yeah. turning around and walking out. They're they're not comfortable. Yeah, and it has to do exactly like you said as far as um you know, knowing the the clientele that you're marketed towards and casting the net, you're using the bait that you want to, you know, the for the fish that you want to catch. And um you know, my thing it's interesting because I'm very passionate about this this subject, and so I was jazzed up when you said something about it um, in the beginning because I am cut from that formality, that professionalism. I I agree. I I actually almost miss it at times. I almost miss it at times too. And and so the thing for me is I I love uniformity as well. Um, and I think I, uniformity in a business is very important. I I I do. And and one of the things that I mean to. To an extent. Correct. Correct. I, th- I think so like uh, one business that I worked for, it was you had to have a polo and, and pants and you couldn't have certain colors. 
but okay. you, but otherwise you had freedom. Sure. And the certain colors were like the the neon distracting type colors. Okay. But otherwise you could you had a little bit of freedom, so you could personalize your look a little bit. Sure. And I think that's important too. It's fascinating how much we as as uh, uh, the American workforce again American hustle. We're talking about the Western culture desperately desire to uh, express ourselves in in all walks of life, if you will. Correct. Because, and this is where I was going, I, I was I was raised up, um, and of course, you know, as we come up through the 80s and the 90s, uh, into the 2000s, and, and there's a whole conversation about the flash and the self-indulgence and, uh, you know, personalization. Joe Paterno, uh, who was a, a famous football coach for Penn State, uh, was just this hard-nosed, old-school coach, and he did not allow names on the back of jerseys, no special indicating, you know, indications. Yep. If you got a sack, you didn't get to put a little special star on your helmet. If yep. you got a big play, you didn't get to put a little special star. That everybody was part of was the team. Part of the team was cut from the same kind of uh, cloth. And I gotta say, I loved that coaching mentality. Loved it. Loved it. Now, uh, aside, you know that. That coaching department had some struggles in the later years with some personal social issues. That has nothing to do with how he uh, instructed the uniformity of his players. Correct. Right? And so I always feel like I have to contextualize that. Because the, of the negative press that happened at that school. Because of the negative press. And, and the world that we live in at this point, and people glom on to go, yeah, but he was a bad dude. All right, I don't really care. What I care about is how he uniformed his players. And then when you made a big play, he would talk about you at the end of the at in the press conference. He would put your name in the paper. He would he did that and he would say, Hey, these are good players. Uh, but he wouldn't let you stand out on the on field. The, on the field, on the practice squad, on the on the on the whatever. Yep. Right. So I crave that. That was one of the things that that I just find to be uh, so fulfilling is that you are such a unified force that um, we can recognize the strengths and weaknesses of all the individuals on the team, not just allowing one or two to be standouts. Correct. It creates a culture. So I get that, and I appreciate that. And when I went into my young professional career, I, too, was trying to emulate my fa what my father laid out before me and have a professional attire in the nonprofit industries that I was working within. <clears throat> and I feel like in that industry, you almost do need that more professional approach because you're asking people for donations. You're, you're representing. Yeah, and and I, was, I was doing youth development, so I wanted to create a separation of, of professionals because I was the director of, yeah. of after-school programming and camps and that kind of stuff. And, and I wanted that the code to work in my favor of formality. Correct. Right? So now that was over 10 years ago, right? And when I started SFJ 4x4, uh, two things. One, I was desperately poor. And uh, two, I still wanted that level of formality. And so I still engaged with a couple good, nice uh, mechanic shirts, but nice, clean, formal mechanic shirts. And I tried to create our appearance to be that yeah right and then i but i struggled because i i honestly i couldn't afford uniforms for myself or anybody else um and so it was a real big deal when i i did provide you you know uniform shirts or jackets or, or that kind of stuff for our workforce or people who were helping in the process um as i 
started to get and go to the more and more of the shows, I recognized that businesses were using the code to their advantage by misrepresenting themselves as professionals within the, the field without actually having the substance to back it up. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it going, hey, I've got this nice mechanic shirt that I, I you know, I've bought for us to go to shows, for us to go to events. And when we go to that event and there's 20 other vendors or 50 other vendors or 100 other people who have similar businesses or, you know, manufacturing or whatever, we're all dressed in the code. And I'm looking around going, I know that half of these characters aren't as capable as as I am or as we are, right? Yeah. And I still remember, I distinctly remember one of the businesses came up to us, came up to our booth, and we had all of these vintage, cool, unique, authentic parts to our industry, and we're out there selling parts in the hot baking sun, and, uh, you know, some of them are greasy, some of them are rusty, and, you know, we're, we're scraping by, and we're grinding it out, right? And they come up to us, and, and again, folks, if you're listening, we cater to the off-road industry. It is more about rugged individualism, camping, DIY, you know, mechanical building, stuff like that. They come up to us, and they are in crisp white mechanic shirts. They, they, you know, that that's the the style of shirt is a button up collared, you know, kind of a particular I, fit. And there's a whole mentality of that. It's a it's the same reason why um, butchers wear white, doctors wear white. It's supposed to signify how clean you're able to do your job. Yeah, and how good you are at your job. It just made me mad. It's exactly what happens. It made in, me in ma- my opinion, that is completely wrong thinking. I was and, like, and I look at that going, that's. You'd have to change your clothes a million times a day to keep it that white. Right. You're not going to do what we're doing in that outfit. No. Right? And so it made me go, you're you're unaware of what it actually takes to provide for our market. Yep. And they were a manufacturer and and I'm going, You 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 have indicated to me via the code or a break in the code that you actually do not have a relevant brand to what we are doing. Yep. So it was one of those moments where I started to see uh, my the rose-colored glasses fracture a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, this person, I mean, these folks, and I saw, I saw this brand being championed by some other businesses, and I thought to myself, well, if I can see through the facade and this business can't or these individuals can't, then... What's with that business? What's with that business? Yeah. Right? And so this is where stuff started to get unpacked for me. And then I started to to understand better the old adage about the, you know, the old man in the rocking chair on the front of City Hall who could buy the Cadillac in cash, yeah. right? Uh, one of our one of our great employees here at SFJ, uh, it talks about, you know, as his father had a story about a guy who could buy a car in cash and the one dealership didn't give him the time of day and he went right down the road and bought one in just $100 bills because that dealership didn't give him the time of day I've, because of the code. I've literally been on both sides of the aisle with the code. I have been working at a car lot uh, with a guy that pulled in and it was a, a literally a, a Jeep dealership. A guy yeah. pulls in in a Mustang, gets out, torn clothes. Everyone's like, 
nobody's he's not buying anything here why is this guy yeah he's a waste of time and, and i was a new sales guy and they're like here you go yeah, take him i'm yep. like sounds great to me yep i go over talk to the guy he just had a family he has a, a new kid and you can't easily have a family with a mustang sure he needed a family vehicle i sold him a grand cherokee srt8 nice i had more i mean at at sticker at yeah. that at sticker the yeah. guy didn't negotiate he was there just he knew what he wanted. He wanted he was... a family vehicle, but he still wanted his power. Yep. And wanted to know what we had. Grand Cherokee SRT8, right off the lot. Yep. And everybody else is just staring at me like, what just happened? Right. I didn't judge him by his cover, by his dress code. Right. So then the opposite of that has happened. I was actually in a box store looking at uh, a new, uh, I was specifically looking for a screw gun, but I wanted a collated screw gun. Okay. So that I could just run drywall real quick. Sure. This was only a few years ago when I was renovating my house. Well, I bought this house. I was renovating it. I'm in raggedy clothes because I'm just tore yeah. up doing that. And I went into, and it was, uh, I'm just going to say the name. It was Home Depot. Sure. It's the reason that I don't shop at Home Depot. Yeah. I was in the store. I asked where, where that was. The guy had no idea what I was talking about. He was... In the tool department, he worked in tools. Sure. He had sure. no idea what I was talking about. Yeah. I showed him the picture. I said, I just can't find where it's at in your store. So he finally looks it up, finds where it's at, and goes, well, you could get this one that's $300. Uh, obviously, you can't afford the DeWalt one that's this much money. And I just looked at him. And I said, what do you mean I can't afford it? Oh, boy. And he's like, well, obviously, you can't afford that. No. And I'm like, you know what? I, I Thank you for your time. I, I'm going to buy that. And I bought that and walked out. But then I was just, I was furious. Yeah. And I didn't go back. Yeah. So, yeah, he got the sale out of it. Kind yeah. of. Kind, kind of. of. He got the sale because Lowe's didn't sell that. Yeah. That's the only reason I went there. Sure. Yeah. So, and, but you became a one and done customer. Yeah. Which is, for us as a business, is never acceptable. You know yeah. what I mean? But that's wild. Just so I've literally been, I've been the salesman in that situation. Yeah. And I've been the, the customer. And in both cases... It's one of those, you just don't know somebody's financial worth. And if you self-impose your own book based on the way they're dressed, yes, then you're, you're going to harm yourself, your business, yeah. everything. The last piece, and I just for time's sake, and I don't think we want to, to spill this over into a second episode, though I, I did something I'm really interested in. Um, I think that the internet has played a pivotal role in the... Uh, the the lessening of the need for formality in dress, because I think we saw uh, as a as a society over the last twenty years of the inter internet's prevalence, I think we've seen a lot of people who dress very nicely be really crappy humans. Yeah, and we've seen people who have been uh, who dress very humbly be stellar at what what they contribute to society. Yes. And I think that that ability to peel back that layer of the onion, because I think that um, now we can look into people through social media, through uh, a heightened level of transparency, both on a broad scale of, of celebrities, uh, pseudo celebrities, right down to our neighbors, um, uh, that before when somebody left the house, uh, their car, their physical appearance, 
that was kind of the very few things that we got to go off of. Yeah. Right. Uh, you, you went to work and all the conversations were about the weather or the local sports team. It were pretty superficial, you know. Now when we get to kind of look in, look behind that that facade, now we kind of see what that that person is made of. Yep. Um, and ultimately, uh, again, I think as a as a as a broad society, an acceptance, a tolerance of people to say, hey, you know what? Uh, I recognize that we are we appear very different on the outside for whatever reason it is, but actually we get along really well and we like the same band and, and yep. civically we're very similarly minded and whatever it might be. Um, and so there's this, this further breakdown in what we need that person to look like because we have a greater understanding of their inner workings, the depth of their character. Yeah. And I think that that base uh, acceptance has affected the large swath of society. Obviously, the president of the United States, regardless of who it is, still can't get up and do a State of the Union in a sweatpant, you know, in their in their white Nike sneaks. No Christmas pajamas. Cannot show up in Christmas pajamas. <laughs> right. Cannot show up in Christmas pajamas and Crocs. That's still just not acceptable. I right? hope that never becomes the case. I Well, right. You know what I mean? But somebody out there is going, well, I don't care what they have to say. You know, I don't care what they wear as long as I'm listening to what they have to say. Right. And so I can appreciate that, but I still believe um, that that level of presentation has a direct correlation with the deliverance of the product you're going to give me, the the nature of the interaction that we're going to have, the quality and care and precision of the service you're going to provide me. I still do believe the formality of how you present yourself, the curb appeal, whether it be the brick and mortar, your virtual store, or your physical appearance, does still reflect what I'm going to get from this relationship, this interaction. Well, and and just real quick, even just transitioning to this industry, the automotive industry, from where I was previously, um, it's only been a few years, well, not even three years at this point, and I was dressed for a the nonprofit meeting that I'm running, dressed up for that, nothing too fancy. I had a button-up shirt, a sweater vest, and a nice pair of pants on. Right. And by nice pair of pants, I think it was just a nice pair of jeans. It wasn't even sure. dress pants. Sure. And my daughter looks at me and goes, wow, daddy, you look really nice. You should dress like that more often. Yeah. And I went, just a couple of years ago, I was dressing like this daily. Yes. It's been that long of a difference in, in my child's mind that they don't recognize that that's normal. Sure. Or that was that normal. That was normal for you. Yeah. A hundred percent. And in my, my children's uh, entirety of their lives, I have not... Um, within reason, I, I've not had a formal attire, um, <clears throat> both for practical application by the fact that when we go to work, we work hard, we yeah. work on the floor, we work in an industrial environment. And so, uh, there's a number of qualifiers that then has to, our, our outfit has to meet. Um, but additionally, the fact that it's not necessary and honestly may even be, uh, un, uh inappropriate to the market that we're trying go back to the you know the fish the net we're casting the bait we're using whatever yeah that it might not be the appropriate attire for the the clientele who's coming through the door 
Right. Right. Um, so it's it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting position we're in as a society because I think we're seeing more and more people relax that formality. We still have an appreciation for it, but the code is shifting. Yeah. I don't know that it's done. I don't know that it is done shifting. You know, pajama pants have, have become acceptable in public. You're not ever going to catch me doing it. I, um, I never find that acceptable unless there is a specific event that is happening, like a Halloween party example. Sure. You're going to see people out in costume. Yeah, PJ if Day. If you're going to a, a, a school PJ Day or school yeah. Christmas party for sure. P, in PJs, you know, I understand that. Yes. But to just walk around the grocery store or department store in pajama pants. Yes. Why? Yeah, it still tells me that you're not you're not taken serious uh, the moment that you're living in. Right. Right. That does speak to me in that moment. And there's a couple other little accessories or accoutrements uh, about what I believe people should or shouldn't be representing themselves by wearing. But I believe we'll have to do that another time. Yep. So we should transition into our quote of the week. And this is my world now. You cannot climb the ladder of success dressed in the costume of failure. <laughs> and that's Zig Ziglar. Oh, Zig Ziglar. The the great Zig Ziglar. And I you know what? I've I've looked into Zig Ziglar a fair amount, at least what the 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 curated information that is available. And and there's just very, very little that I don't agree with. You know? Guy, so, the guy has it. He, he knows what it is, he knows what it takes. Right. Yeah, he was it was it was influential to to all of our uh, entrepreneurship and, and social leadership. You cannot climb the ladder of success dressed in the costume of failure. And I think that is more uh, existential than the the actual physical dress that you're wearing. I agree but I entirely. Felt that it was important to to use that as our quote. Yeah, I agree entirely with you. And that's that's I think it's important to unpack that to say. Um, it's for the environment, it's for the branding, it's for the, uh, the expectation of both you and the people that you're trying to provide a service or product or anything else with, um, that it's relative to that moment, yeah. right? Um, and that relevancy is the ladder of success. It is the, the, the costume that you're wearing, the relevancy, understanding, right? Because of course we go back to that business that came up to my booth as we're grinding it out, as we're making money, as we're building our brand identity and we're, uh, arguably filthy from head to toe because of that work that yeah. we're putting in and they come up in their crisp white shirts and, and talking about their brand, uh, and the products that they're producing. That's not the latter success. That that is a costume of failure. Yeah, absolutely. I'll leave you with that, folks. This has been a, a great conversation, one that I'm actually very interested in, uh, and one that I hope that you found uh, intriguing, interesting as well. Reach out to us. Let us know. Let us know how we're doing. Make sure you log out uh, and and leave that five star review and share this with a friend. Get out there and get hungry and stay hungry. And this is my world. The American dream is not dead. We want to help you along the way. With over 40 years of combined leadership experience, we want to help you succeed. Share your stories, ask us questions, and believe in the American dream. Through heart and hustle, we will show you the path of success and hopefully have a little fun along the way. You can email us at jeffc at sfj4x4.com or text us at 440 855 
2100. Until next time, lead with your heart and keep hustling.